Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. This is episode number 102. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan for Doug Burr. Jonathan, my friend, how's life treating you? Hi Steve, hi everybody. Life treating me well, thank you. Uh, it's nice to be on another episode with you. We're in a bit of a rhythm now. We had one episode last week and we've got a lot of talking points on this show this week, haven't we Steve? We're going to cover... Sweden, we've had a big Champions League result, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, we've also had, you know, games coming in Osvenskan and Elite Serien, which we'll talk about. And also this week, we've got a little bit of a uh, a, uh, a treat for you. We're going to bring you a little bit of the bonus Patreon episode, the betting preview. We're going to bring it into the main show this week um, to cover it. We're going to we're going to have a little part at the end. Stay tuned for that, where we select uh, a couple of tips for you this weekend in terms of games that we think. Should be maybe to keep an eye on or just games to watch in general if you're not uh, of a betting persuasion, just games that you should, you know, keep an eye out for. So um that's the that's the plan for this week, isn't it, Steve? How how are you? I'm well, I'm, I'm well. I was um I've been I've been to the beach today, Jonathan. Actually. You're always, um, you're always, you're always in somewhere exciting, aren't you? You always you, keep, <laughs> you do like to mix things up. I I, I did a I was uh, I did a bit of bird watching earlier as well. Um at the National Bird of Prey Centre. Place called Helmsley in the North York Moors, and then I went to Red Car Beach afterwards. So I have to say, some of the birds were magnificent at this centre. I would thoroughly recommend it to anyone who no is in the area. Of, no one can ever accuse you of uh, of being boring, can they? I mean, you, you <laughs> need like to keep varieties of spice of life, as they as they say. A- absolutely, yeah, you know. Cheeky plug for the North York Moors National Park there as well, as you've got to. But, um, I mean, you were plugging Yorkshire Dales into National Park the other week, weren't you, as well? So, you know, we're very much... We're, we're not sponsored by them, but if they do want to approach us, we, you know, I'm more than happy to plug them. I'm very, very much enjoying my time there. It's a sponsor-free show, but, of course, uh, at this moment in time, but uh, not happy to happy to endorse that based on what I, I'd seen. Um, but talking about sort of nature and beauty and, and, and beautiful uh, scenery. There was some seriously beautiful scenery tonight in Malmo, uh, wasn't there, Steve, in terms of uh, the result, which we're going to talk about first on this episode, the uh, Malmo versus Ludogorets fixture, uh, the Champions League qualify, the last stage of qualifying. Yes, and I mean, I, I think the big shot was obviously them getting past Rangers. I don't think anyone really saw it happening, even after the first leg. I mean, even you were like, you know, your heart was with Malmo, but your head was like, you know, Rangers get the business done. I mean, f- fantastic that they got past Rangers. I mean, fair play. They put in a hell of a performance with 10 men in the second half there. Um, and, you know, they got themselves ahead in the game and they made sure they didn't slip up. And, you know, job done. Um, then they get the draw of Luda Goretz, which is favourable on paper. Let's let's not beat about the bush here. Um and you know a two nil first leg win. Shame for Malmo now that there isn't away goals involved because they would really have been in strong position, wouldn't they? Else, but two nil win against Luda Gerets. It. I watched some of this and it, it seemed fairly comfortable to me. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, as you said. I think you know <clears throat> you're right, isn't it? The last episode we did was uh, just before the Rangers game, and and that was a sensational win. Two two uh, two one away from home at Ibrox, at a packed Ibrox. You know, a sensational result, to be honest. I think, um, we, you know, we, we should touch on that first because it was a, a fantastic result coming from behind uh, with 10 men as well to, to win that game. Really, probably one of the 
you, I think you could argue it's one of the biggest, um, one of the best results in in Swedish football for for many a year. You know, maybe, you know, for Malmo certainly in, in you know since the last times they've been qualifying for the Champions League. Obviously, they knocked out Rangers ten years ago, and there were sort of shades of a repetition of that. But to go through, you know, Bonky Innocent was sent off, uh, and they still managed to to get through. I thought it was a <clears throat> honestly a brilliant turnaround. You know, Kolak was sensational in that match, and and really. Um, it was for them to, you know, Colac scored twice and for them to, for them to really turn that game around, what I was quite surprised about, you know, I said on the show, I thought uh, my heart was with them, but I thought my head said Rangers would, would get it done. Uh, and I, when it was 10 men, I thought, yeah, no chance that they're, 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 they're toast basically. Um, but they turned it around two goals from Colac and, and yeah, they, they, you know, you know, now Thomason who, by the way, uh, you know, we might talk about him in a minute, but he, he is really growing on me. <clears throat> he came out after this, he came out after the Rangers game and he said, everybody in Sweden knows about Malmo. Everybody knows what Malmo FF stands for and the mentality of this team. Um, but he said, now tonight, people, more maybe more people around Europe know about Malmo. Uh, the way he said it, just so nonchalant, he was like, you know, everyone in Sweden knows about Malmo's character, you know, like the mentality and the character. He's really, he's really building this sort of, um, this big, big team, if you know what I mean. Like he, he's, he's building something with this team, I have to say. Uh, and it carried through into the, um, it carried through into the into the Ludogorets game. I mean, listening to his words after Rangers, honestly, I was ready to play for him. Uh, the way he sort of bigged up Malmo, I, I was ready to go and get a Malmo shirt. The way the way he talked about them, you know, it was really like inspiring. Kind of, this is Malmo FF. You know what I mean? This is what we are. And, and I really, I was lapping it up. I have to say, and I'm not necessarily a Malmo fan by any means. Um, but uh, you know, I, I try and stay neutral in in that sense. But the the point I'm making is he he really was inspiring, and and they've done it again tonight. Um, you know, he he called the game before the match he said it's the it's the 180 minute final he said this is the you know this is this is where we're going to stand up and 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 make men of ourselves type thing he called it one of the biggest games Malmo have had in years you know there's millions and millions of pounds at stake here Steve you know against his Bulgarian side um at least a minimum of about 16 million pounds at stake uh for the team that qualifies here um you know Malmo's already made they've already made about 10 10 million roughly from from UEFA for getting this far uh, when you take into account all the you know gate receipts and and, and TV money and everything like that, they, they've already made um, a decent chunk, uh, and now it's going to be another you know seventy sort of eighty, uh, sorry, another sort of a uh, ten fifteen million pounds if they can if they can get to the group stages with the you know the, that's not taken into account the you know just just for being there, not even taken into account winning games. You know you get a certain amount of money for winning matches, um, you get a certain amount of money for being in the market pool. Obviously, they'll be the only team in Sweden in competition, so they get the full market pool. Um, so this is, you know, money-wise, this is huge for them. And they got the job done, Stephen. They are a really good side, Malmo, I have to say. Um, we'll talk about them in a minute in the league because I think they have taken their eye off the ball in that sense, but but they, they, they're they clearly saving it for the Champions League because this is massive for them. They they need to be in the, in the latter rounds. And, um, yeah, they, they you got the first goal um, with... Berman Savic, who we'll talk about in a second, uh, really well works set piece. You know, Malmo are really, really good at set pieces these days. You know, they they really are getting marginal gains in, in many areas. Um, didn't have the best of possession. I mean, Luda Goretz, 58, 58% possession in this game, you know, but but Malmo dominated shots wise, 17 shots to four, six shots on target to three. Uh, and the second goal could end up being crucial. It was Joe Inger Birgit, a man I know you have sort of uh, not exactly been a fond of in the past, but he stepped up again in this match. And and it's two 0 going into the uh, into the second leg now. They got they got one foot in the Champions League group stage proper. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think for those listening, um, don't underestimate how hard it is for teams to get into the Champions League group stage um, from the from the Champions path and the League path, actually. Um, a lot of berths for the Champions League are automatic. In I mean, 16 teams come from La Liga, Premier League, um, Bundesliga and Serie A straight away. So that's half of the groups uh, are automatic that way anyway, and there's others as well. Um, to actually get to this stage, I mean, Malmo have played a lot of matches. Um, they're not their coefficient is not too bad, but they still have had to, um, you know, they've had to grind through this quite a lot, haven't they? They they've avoided Red Bull Salzburg in this final round, which was that was the big dog to avoid. It was either them, Dano, Dino Zagre, Ferenc Varos, or Ludogorets. And I think you would take any of the other three realistically, wouldn't you? Uh, but they've avoided Red Bull Salzburg. They've got this nice draw. Now they've got to, what have they got to do now? Are you confident they will see the job um, to its conclusion in in, in uh, where is it? Bulgaria? Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll get it done, Steve. I think they they got a bit between their teeth now. <clears throat> you know, I think they really, really are determined. I mean, Andreas Christensen, you know, they've just got leaders in every area of the pitch. And I think Thomason's really built, you know, I was a bit, I wasn't sure about his track record before this job. I'll be honest, you know, in terms of you know, a lot of roles he's had as kind of, um, uh, you know, not he hasn't really had a, a landmark kind of job so far in his managerial career, the way, where you can pin your hat up and say, he's done this. He's had a few jobs in, in the Netherlands and, and obviously Denmark as his manager. But he's really proved he's really proved himself in, in his time at Malmo. I think he, he's taken them from, you know, Uwe Rosler level where they couldn't get couldn't get the job done in the league. To me, he's taken them to the next level. You know, they... they now I'd be really shocked if they don't get it. Don't bear in mind, of course, away goals don't count anymore. So you know it could could end up maybe going to extra time if Ludogorets can pull it off. Ludogorets they they didn't look to me like a bad team. Uh, they're quite organised, you know, and, and determined. But Malmo just had a little bit more edge about them. Uh, I think they just had one or two sort of more more influential players. Christensen, like I said, I think you know there's talk tonight that this was his best game in a Malmo shirt. Um, you know, and he he was exceptional. There's a few other players who can sort of stand up and be counted. Berman Savic, you know, I'm sure you can ask me about him in a minute, but he, he he's just he's proven himself now to be next level, really. I think the two signings of Kolak and Berman Savic have just been incredible. I mean, Kolak's just been called into the Croatia squad um, now for the for the next games internationally. You know, I don't think he's got many caps before that. I, without checking it, I think he's only got one cap for Croatia, maybe or less than ten, certainly. Um, so to get back into that Croatian national team is a, is a massive thing. You know, and that just shows how good he's been this season. He's been, you know, the goals against Rangers were just brilliant. You know, um, the way he took it, the way he took both goals really was world class, in my opinion. You know, the, especially the 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 second goal, I thought was fantastic. And they've just got these big game players now. Kolak said before the match, you know, this is what I live for. Um, that was a direct quote. You know, he they really they really want this. You know, and um, it reflected in the way they played on the pitch. They were determined. They were disciplined. They were they were focused. And yeah, I just I'd be really surprised now if they let it go from here. I think uh, I think beating Rangers was the big, big one that I didn't really quite expect. But listen, we'll see what Ludogorets are made of. You know, they're a small uh, team from Razgrad. Um, you know, they, they, you know they've they've taken a they've had a massive leap in from from the sort of, I think third division to the top divisions of Bulgaria. Um, they have been in the Champions League group stage twice before. Uh, and Europa League five times, so they are they have a bit of a track record in in Europe. They know how to get the job done, but I, I think Malmo will get it done. And on, just on your point uh, there, Steve, about you know, like you say, it's no joke getting to these stages. And 
you know, I saw a quote from Dirk Cout the other day saying, you know, that um, I think it was Sheriff who were, they, they also had a really good win in, from Moldova. And I think Dirk Cout reportedly said that, you know, they don't deserve to be in the Champions League or something like that. But you've you got to bear in mind, they've got to come, you've got to come through a lot of games uh, to get to get to this stage in the Champions League. You know, Malmo have played a lot of games uh, to get hit where they are now. So I, I really don't buy this idea that, you know, don't forget that they are the champions. You know, they've had to come through through Riga. They've had to come through HJK. They've had to come through Malmo. You know, that's going to be eight games to get to the, to this level on top of winning their league. And as far as I'm concerned, if this is a Champions League, quote-unquote, then, you know, you could argue that the Champions pass should be a little bit easier for these teams. Because it's bullshit. I mean, I, I, I like Dirk Coit, but I think that's bullshit. There's only six spots available. Four spots for the Champions path and two spots for the League path. Um, the league path involving, like I think, Monaco, Shakhtar, Benfica, PSV. I mean, that's four teams there. You'd say, you know, all four could probably be in the Champions League, but two are going to go. The Champions path, you know, Red Bull Salzburg are in this final qualifier. You know, it's it's brutal. They've made it really hard for teams to qualify for this top at uh, the top table. It's because there's, there's so many automatic spots given to the top leagues, and and. You know, that's where it comes. It's because, you know, Premier League got pissed off, didn't it, when, you know, only the top three went and the fourth place had to qualify. You know, it's teams like Liverpool or Arsenal or someone, Arsenal back then. Arsenal would dream of it now, wouldn't they? Um, you know, worrying about having to qualify for, for the Champions League. They want the top four in. And that's what it's become. And you're right, it's absolutely no joke reaching this phase. Like any team, Sharif, Dinamo Zagreb, the lot of them, Ferenc Faros, full respect. Luda Gerrits, full respect to them. Yeah, and, and the thing is as well, like you said, and you're spot on, and you know, I'm not a massive, you know, advocate of Dirk Cowley, you might like him, but I think it's just ignorant, really, comments because everybody was up in arms about the Super League, weren't they? Oh, how can they do this? And then all of a sudden you're saying that teams like Sheriff don't deserve to be there. I think it's just out of order. And and really, you know, why should why when you look at the imbalance of of European football, people are worried about, you know, teams getting too big, PSG, things like that the only way to get rid of that is to stop giving these teams free entry to the Champions League every year. Now that's not, we know that's never going to happen because there's, they, they have so much power within UEFA that, you know, they're never going to with, with, with um, you know, give up those places. You know, there's already talks when the Champions League reforms in, in 2024. Now they're going to give two guaranteed coefficient slots. So you might not even qualify from the top four of your league and you might get a place just mm. for having a good coefficient, you know? So now, you know, in, in years to come, if that does pass, I heard it's under review. But if it does pass, you could have a situation where Arsenal, for example, finish eighth and, and still get into the Champions League because they have a, a good coefficient over the years. And, or a team like that, you know, whoever, uh, you know, could be Napoli, whoever, AC Milan or whatever. I think that's just totally unfair. And if you, if you really want to rebalance these leagues, you need these sort of teams in it. And I would, I personally would advocate for less uh, of those sort of top four sides and, and more teams like Malmo and Sheriff personally. I think that would uh, rebalance the European football a, a little bit it may imbalance their domestic leagues. And that's a debate we can have in a minute, you know, in terms of Malmo. Because if you look at it, if Malmo get that Champions League money, I mean, as I've said, you get you get 2 million euros roughly just for winning one game in the Champions League group stages. You get 900,000, I think, for a draw. Now that's on the level of some teams' budgets for, you know, in, if you look lower down the table in in, in Osvenskan, you know, the, the Champions League budget is almost their entirely yearly budget, just for a couple of wins, really, if you look at it. So... Um, we can have that debate in terms of the, the balance of the leagues, but in terms of sporting merit, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I, I can't see how um, I can't see how you can dismiss these teams. They have so much work to do to get here, and and Malmo, you know, uh, they've done it. The Ludovic coach came out after the game and said they did not let us breathe for one minute. 
Thomason described it as almost a perfect game. He said he said they executed the game plan to almost perfection. Um, so yeah, it's a real. Um, they're really happy at this moment in time. They've got one last step in Bulgaria, and they can they can be cautious but optimistic that they could make it to the Champions League. Do you know I almost prefer the qualifying for all the European competitions than the actual main events these days. It's just I mean I'm just looking at some of the scores here in the um, Young Boys three Ferencvaros two We've got Frank Bolly ex Starbeck um, player bagged a brace of goals there. What a, you know that's, that's what it's, it's massive for these teams. Um, but yeah, just before we move on to the uh, the Malmo uh, league form, um, you know. Key players who really stood out for you in this Champions League run. Yeah, well, I've, I've spoken about uh, Antonio Colac in the past, and 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 by the way, I agree with you. It's bit, you know, it's, I, I find the, knock, the early knockout rounds great. I, I wish it was a bit, little bit more covered on in in the UK in terms of TV coverage with with more games, maybe because you know I do think there's some so many intriguing storylines. But yeah, the one storyline in Malmo at this moment in time, Steve, that we we have to talk about is uh, Velko. Velko Bermansevic. Now, this is a guy who wasn't sure about him. And I remember the preseason podcast, I was a little bit kind of did, I had done my research, but I didn't know a huge amount about this player. But uh, I have to say, he is, um, he might not be a lot around for, he might not be around too long in Osfenskan, in, in to be honest. Uh, again, tonight, he scored a, a cracking goal. And he was described by one of the commentators uh, on Seymour, which is like a broadcaster network in Sweden. As a, as a 10 million pound player, Hasse Baka described him as a 10 million pound player, the 23 year old Serbian winger. Um, he said, he said, obviously, he was praising the, the set piece, but he said, Berman Savic, the way he moves from a port forward position, moves in and out of the zones, um, the way he wanders into outer zones, makes himself playable all the time. He's a very important cog for Malmo in their attacking game and the build up. And he said, you know, as far as I've seen in the Svenskan, he's 100 million. Oh, sorry, 100 million SEK, obviously, uh, Swedish Krona player, uh, which is roughly about 10 million, I think, nine, 10 million euros. Um, and he said he thinks he can be a you know, top, top player, basically. Now, this guy, you know, nine goals, three assists in 19 games for, for, for Malmo. Um, he's, he's, he's turning up numbers that are incredible, really. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, someone in, uh, I really advise following on Twitter. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, probably not, but, uh, a guy called Marcus Bring at Marcus Br22. Now this lad, I don't know if he is actually Swedish, but he he posts um, kind of uh, like radars, you know, those kind of like stats radars, and he's done one of stat on 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 Berman Savage, which which is really interesting. Uh, non penalty xg 0.37, shots per ninety 2.89, touches in the box 5.17, uh, passing accuracy. Is not great. It's around a sixty-eight percent mark, but you know he's an attacking player, so you can you can let him off on that maybe to a certain extent. Um, successful defensive actions per ninety, just about six. Uh, wins two point one five fouls per game. Dribb- attempts eight point four two dribbles per ninety. Uh, progressive carrier passes into the box four point six three per ninety. Four point eight three per ninety. Sorry. Uh, XG assisted point two three per ninety. This is a player. Steve, who is just doing it in all areas, not just only progressing the play, dribbling, uh, getting into dangerous positions with his passing as well, but he gets assists. You know, um, he's got three goals, two assists during their Champions League qualifiers. If you look at it, he's, he's, his goal contributions, uh, 0.92 per 90 at this moment in time, he's averaging goal contributions, that's goals and assists. 
Now he is really, really looking good. And if you add Kolak on top of that, you know, Kolak's one of the top, he's the joint top scorer in Osvenskan at this moment in time. Um, they've really found two potent, potent players. And you have to give a lot of praise to Mamo's recruitment because it's not only, you know, they are the big dogs. Everyone's kind of maybe, there's some little bit of worry here and there, you know, um, you know, what will this do to the league and that kind of thing if they if they have so much money to spend next time. But you can't knock the recruitment that they've pulled out because those were two players who weren't hugely expensive, but they've, they, they're pulling out top, top performances and they, they're almost taking them to the next level. Uh, and that is Champions League level. So yeah, I've got to give a shout out to Berman Savage. He's been he's been he's been outstanding. Yeah, fair play to him. And um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, long term, it's like you, you don't want a league to go down the same route as like uh, you know what Bayern have become in Germany or Juventus at one point became. Um, but I, I'm not sure it's always going to happen in um, in the Scandinavian leagues these days because I think any really good players end up just coming out of the league and it can be hard for teams to adapt and it's really hard for for Malmo to juggle between domestic and European matches and that's going to be a problem whatever happens in the second leg that's going to be a problem for them going forward because they'll be in yeah, Europa League group stage then uh, but in the league themselves they've, they've given hope to the opposition nil nil draw against Halmstad and a defeat at home to IFK Gothenburg and as I said I saw this result and I was stunned um been a bit of a serial slagger offer, have I of um, Mikel Stara, but um, he's he's come up with the goods here. Yeah, and he had the bingo wings uh, on on. Uh, I think it was on the you know in the last game. He, <clears throat> you should see the way he celebrated the, the goals for for EF Core. Proper shaking his shaking his arms, you know, like flapping about. He really loved it, pumping his fist when uh, when uh, when Marcus Berg equalised for them, uh, and and obviously. A 98th minute winner. This was a, a real story. <clears throat> so um, yeah, we'll talk about you know the balance of the leagues. We'll talk about that in a minute because there is some interesting points around the transfer window which we'll, we'll touch on. Um, but for now, yeah, moving on to sort of that EF Core game. That was a, a massive game, Malmo EF Core. I do think they have. I do think they have. I mean, this is a byproduct of of, of their focus on on the on the league, uh, on the Champions League. Uh, I do think they've taken their eye off, off the ball a little bit in terms of the the league. Um, you know, the last few games. Haven't been haven't been you know too successful for Malmo you know they, they as I say as you said they're Halmstad um, <clears throat> and then losing now at home three two to EF Core that was a shock result really I, I did not see that coming whatsoever I'm glad you know if you're a punter I'm glad he went on that game because we've been critical of EF Core in recent weeks uh, you know now they've got 18 goals 18 assists uh, sorry 18 goals 18 conceded in the league exactly so from 15 games they've got they've got a uh, Identical record, basically four wins, four, uh, seven draws, four defeats, eighteen, eighteen. So pretty sort of a symmetrical uh, league record. They're in ninth now, but uh, yeah, massive win really. They 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 needed it as well because if they hadn't, if they'd lost that game, they'd be uh, they'd be twelfth. So you know they'd be just above the relegation zone really. So you know it's quite tight down there, and that three points is, is pretty big. It takes them above Varberg, Hampstead, and Degerfors. But you know when you're looking at EF Core, they should should really be above those teams in, in general anyway, and that's. That's why we've been a bit critical of them. But yeah, third defeat of the season for, for Malmo in 15 games. We are at halfway point. Um, and it was a really, really good sort of end-to-end game. Kolak opened the scoring absolute howler from Oscar Vent back pass. Kolak was onto it like a flash. The guy is a bit Mandzukic in that way. He's really sharp. He's really sharp, actually, Kolak. Um, rounded the keeper and put it into the net. He, he pounced on it in front of the fans. Um, Marcus Berg then equalised uh, in the 17th minute. Eric Larson then 
um, scored an own goal, which which gave Ifkor the lead in the second half. And then Malik Abubakari, 86th minute, he thought he'd he thought he'd rescued a point for Malmo with a bullet header from a corner. Another set piece for Malmo. Uh, really, really good header. His first goal for the club. Uh, and then, you know, he thought the drama was done, but 98th minute penalty. Tobias Sana uh, stepped up coolly and buried it into the back of the net to give uh, EF Court all three points. And yeah, this was a really lively game. You know, there's some fans back in the stadium. We had 6,000 uh, in the Ludogorets game for Malmo. Um, Thomaston and others said it felt like 60,000. You know, the atmosphere was incredible, really. The, the amount of noise they made in, in that ground. Um, but yeah, it was another game with a sort of good atmosphere. They were very quiet in the 98th minute when Sana scored that goal, ran off and sort of slid on his knees, uh, sealing the win for EF Core. But yeah, end-to-end -end game. But as you said, you know, just a couple of, um, just a bit of a blip for for uh, Malmo in the league. Just one point from their last uh, uh, last two games. <clears throat> They've now got Degafors at home next and then Hammerby away. So they do have a bit of a tough run coming. Hammerby, North Shopping, Garden, and then Elfsborg away. So um, they might time it well because obviously if they get through, then, you know, they can concentrate on the league again. So, you know, could be good timing, you know, and, and it could not it could backfire on them. Only time will tell. They are now down to second in the league, joint with uh, with AIK on 30 points, three points behind uh, Geogarden. Yeah, it's that looks a brutal run, you know. I'm just looking at it. I mean, even Degafor are no mugs, are they? On the day they can play. So this is going to be difficult now for Malmo to juggle between European and uh, domestic matters, whatever. Um, so do you see... I mean, other teams look like they are... Trying to take advantage, okay. Your garden, Elfsborg. You know, it's uh, how do you see the league sort of shaping up now in with this Malmo European dynamic to come? Well, I think I think teams need to they need to take advantage of this uh, this this period of time for Malmo because okay, if they get into the Champions League, they're going to have a lot of group games, you know, throughout the rest of the season basically because the group stages end in December. I think the league ends. Uh, I think the league in Sweden ends in November. So early December, 4th of December it ends. So they'll have six extra games to play if they, if they manage to get through, which will potentially distract them. Um, but that's a pleasure they'll they'll love, to be honest. They'll enjoy that. They've, they've strengthened in this transfer window, which is, is closed now. Um, and I think it's up to your garden and, and other teams to sort of make, it, take the, make the most of this, taking their eye off the ball to a certain extent and, and see what they can do. You know, Malmo are the top scorers in the league by some distance, 33 goals. Uh, you know, it's more than two a game at the moment at the moment in time, but they do leak. You know, 19 conceded now, three against the EFC, as we said. Um, they've conceded more goals than the EFC in the league, in fact, which is quite quite surprising, really, when you consider it. Um, you know, they've conceded way more than teams like, say, Halmstad, uh, even Kalmar. So they are a little bit leaky defensively. Um, they do like that kind of uh, high-scoring style. And I think that, you know, the, the team that's really looking good at this moment in time is AIK. You know, we talked about them in the after the Eurogarden game. They absolutely battered their rivals 4-1 uh, on last week's show. Listen to that if you ever haven't listened to that that track record in Stockholm derbies. Uh, but they've now racked up five wins in six games and they're unbeaten in in in, in, in seven now. Last defeat was against Hacken in July. Uh, and they've won three in a row now. They beat Halmstad uh, and Eurogarden away and they, they were you know, they had a really, really late, late winner at Sirius this week and just gone Bojan Radulovic, uh, pounced into the box uh, late in this one to, to to win in the game. It looked like it was heading for a draw. The Sirius manager was absolutely fuming at, at the end of this match. Um, 
but they're just showing a little bit of resilience. Uh, a okay, they they they've got narrow vi victories um, mainly, except for that Eurogarden game, two one against Warburg, two nil against Kalmar, one nil against Halmstad, and now one nil against Sirius. They, they're just grinding out wins here and there, and the belief is starting to grow and grow and grow. And uh, I think you know they could be the ones that might look to capitalize on on, on this little um, you know poor form from uh, from uh, from Malmo in the league in league terms. I caught the Eurogarden Degaforce game at the weekend as well, uh, and to be honest, I fancied I fancied Degaforce. I have to say, I, I didn't think that um, I thought Eurogarden would have a bit of a you know a wobbly period after the uh, sorry Mialbi, excuse me. Made a big mistake there. Uh, Mialbi away. I caught the Mialbi away game uh, at the weekend. Um, confusing Mialbi and Degafors because they're both, you know, teams that you'd expect to be maybe at the bottom of the league. But uh, yeah, I caught I caught this match and um, I thought that Mialbi, you know, they're quite a physical team. You know, they get in your face. Uh, the likes of Jacob Bergstrom and others are really a tough team to play against. And I thought that Jurgen might struggle, especially with Witchery having left. But credit to to Jurgen, they they dusted themselves down from that that terrible defeat against uh, AIK, and they pulled out a win. Stroke of half time, Nicholas Barkroth got a goal, and um, I think it was a really timely moment to get a goal, really, because the first half I didn't think they were hugely great. They they created one or two chances, but but Mialbi were in it certainly, and that goal just kind of you couldn't you know Mialbi are struggling really in the league. They they can't really get goals. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it was a hard fought win for Jurgen just to keep them top of the table. Uh, yes. Um, what other results caught your eye uh, from this uh, most recent uh, Alsvenskan round? I mean, the one for me that stands out as a, as a huge shock, uh, Kalmar won, Halmstad won. Uh, the shock being that Halmstad actually scored a goal. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, that's a good point for them, I suppose, isn't, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, what else really stood out for me for this round? And actually, before we move on, Kalmar, we got a question in from... Uh, uh, Vassen, thank you very much for your question. Where does Kalmar really stand? They're currently in the middle of the table, but um, the rest of the middle pack are so even right now. I wouldn't mind a deeper analysis of the team, strength and weaknesses and such. I mean, I don't know whether you can do that this particular episode, Jonathan, but just briefly, where do you where do you uh, see Kalmar standing right now? Yeah, good question, Vassen, and we always love your YouTube comments as well, so keep up the good work on that front. Uh, always love your support and hearing from you. Uh, and also famous Kalmar fan, Ove Pettersson. I'm loving him on Twitter as well, by the way. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think we, I'm not going to do an analysis of Kalmar on this show because it would take a bit more time to do it to, to real justice. Uh, and, and, you know, a bit pressed for time on this this show. Uh, in terms of their numbers, you know, I can I can sort of look at that. And I think they're having a good season. I said it on the last show. You know, I think they're going to, I think they will. Yeah, I did predict they'll have a decent season this year. You know, I didn't I didn't think they would struggle. And and that's proven proven to be the case. So, you know, I think they, they are moulding a, a decent side there. Still quite low on the expected goals front, 16.3, 15 goals uh, scored. So, you know, it, it can improve goal-wise. I don't think they're one of the high-scoring teams in the league. Ostersund's even bottom of the table that have scored more than, than Kalmar, and that is a real area of, of struggle for them. You know, they're averaging one goal a game exactly, um, and they can do better on that front. You know, maybe need a, maybe need a goal scorer uh, long-term. But you know, yeah, second bottom of the league in terms of XG. Ostersunds are actually bottom, but have you know twelve point seven two, but have have uh, have scored one more goal than 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 Kalmar. So you know, it's relegation form in terms of their XG uh, for in fact. But XG against, you know, they're fine. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the league, in fact, XG against. 
they're fourth in the table, 16.5 XG against 16 conceded. So it's pretty pretty uniform actually their XG. You know they're, they're performing pretty much to their their standards uh, in both boxes. Um, but yes, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty impressive. You know only Uergarden, Malmo and Aik are better than Kalmar in terms of uh, in terms of their expected goals against. So they've certainly tightened that defence. Uh, Henrik Riesstrom has done a good job there, making them a little bit more difficult to play against defensively. Um, and you know, in terms of ball possession, you know they're, they're the second best team in the league according to Y Scout, our partners Y Scout, fifty-six point seven percent average possession, uh, second only to North Shopping. So you know they they are a team that has completely changed their style around. You know, they, they like to play the ball now. They're a lot more easy on the eye. You know, if you look at last season, they were bottom the table in Los Fenscan for possession 42 percent so that I mean that is a massive change from 42 percent to um you know 56.7 percent to turn that around in in six months or so is, is a real testament to um the two contrasting styles of the managers and and what kind of game model Reesstrom likes we know he likes that game model <clears throat> you know he, he implemented it as serious you know serious last season if you look at their numbers they were exactly exactly the same as uh pretty much uh, as Kalmar in terms of possession, uh, they were the best team in the league for possession, um, with <clears throat> excuse me, fifty-seven point three percent average possession. So it's very, very close um, to Kalmar's now. But uh, it clearly, you can see what kind of game plan Reedstrom likes. So I think they will have a good season. I think they need a goal scorer, and that is that is the, really the key if they really want to go to the next level. And you got to look at Niels Froling and, and say where will he go? You know, if, if he's going to get a move. He's kind of the one I look to for goals because I think he's got the ability. Yeah, it's, um, they're doing quite well, Steve. I mean, I don't know if you've caught many of their games. Yeah, I've, I've caught the odd game. Um, quite impressed with them. Um, that, that possession change is like going from Neil Warnock to Pep Guardiola, isn't it? Uh, really is quite uh, stunning, really, I must say. But um, I know there's a couple sort of odds and ends you want to tie up before we finish the Swedish section there. Yeah, so there has been. It's not been a sort of you know. You asked me what what's caught my eye this week in in the league and stuff like that. Not really been maybe results. I mean, there was one result probably uh, you could say you know Degerfors beating Hacken three 0 was a shock to me. Uh, maybe Elsborg beating Hammerby two 0 away as well. We we should probably talk about Elsborg. I think in a bit they're in they're in quite a good run of form. Uh, and Degerfors, you know, they're having a really good season to be honest. Uh, way above my expectations and they've battered. Battered Hacken really there uh, to move up to tenth, and you know Elfsborg are only four points off the top of the table, by the way. So that they are, they are in a decent run of form, and they you know they're not they haven't been beaten since May uh, at Malmo, so they they are really doing quite well. Um, but it's been more kind of like little things that have happened this week. There's been a few bits of controversy, uh, Steve, that we we have to probably touch on. I know, I know in Norway there's been some controversies as well, but in, in Sweden there's been some. It's not been a sort of a scandal-free week, really. Um, some unsavoury kind of news, basically, after that EF Core uh, Malmo game. So Malmo, uh, EF Core basically wore um, on the backs of their shirts. They had a kind of like a rainbow flag motif um, on the shirt numbers. And um, essentially what, what seems to have happened is uh, an employee of EF Core Gothenburg has been physically threatened um, by, by an unhappy fan who's been reportedly unhappy about this sort of equality gesture. And uh, as far as I can tell from the reports, kind of turned up, turned up at the the, the guy's house, uh, and basically made threats and that kind of thing. So it's it's quite a serious serious incident, to be honest, um, in terms of the backlash of what happened in that game. So it is a little bit worrying. I think the police were called. Um, 
EFCOR put out a statement and it kind of descended from there because EFCOR essentially put out a statement sort of saying, you know, we, we, we stand for equality and, you know, kind of reconfirming their message um, after, after that unsavory <clears throat> incident. And then what basically happened is I, AFC Eskilstuna, I mean, I don't know who's forgotten to switch their account basically when they, uh, when they made this tweet, but he, they made a, a controversial tweet underneath EFCOR's message of sort of solidarity. Uh, and they've been absolutely peppered with ridicule. Yeah, ASCS is doing essentially the, you know, they've been forced to apologise. Uh, they they've kind of like had to sort of tail between their legs, backtrack on the comments. Uh, there's been like an investigation, that kind of thing. It's really, really backfired. The comment they made. It was kind of like a political political sort of comment about a political party and freedom of speech and things like that. It, um, so that's the long and short of it. But um, yeah, it's not gone down well at all. And I think. There was a bit of poetic justice maybe for a lot of fans in Sweden. I mean, AFC Eskilstuna are generally quite hated anyway, but I think a little bit of poetic justice maybe came in the fact that um, Eskilstuna had been knocked out of the Swedish Cup this, uh, as well in the in the uh, preliminary rounds, so they won't go to the group stages. Um, and I think that's kind of really uh, pleased the fans of a lot of clubs. If you go and look at the tweet underneath AFC when they lost that game um, to, I think it was uh, Sylvia, which is a small team kind of like near, near um, you know, has links with North Shopping, but it's a, it's a, it's a lower tier team. Um, there's a lot of happiness that AFC have been beaten, basically. So, yeah, just a few little unsavory things here and there. It's kind of the world we live in this moment in time. You know, there's people having dis- different opinions on this kind of stuff, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, whoever whoever made that whoever made that comment uh, from, from AFC Eskilstuna, it certainly was an own goal. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the, the worrying, the more worrying side of it was the police being called for for the the threats against a, a member of staff, and I hope that you know I hope that is investigated and dealt with really because it is. Uh, you know, Hakan Mild, the club director, said it's completely unacceptable, and we strongly disassociate ourselves from this. Um, the person was exposed to threats and vandalism um, at their own home, which is you know that is really worrying, isn't it, Steve? I think so. Uh, hopefully, it was all sorted, but uh, yeah, a few unsavoury things there. Shocking, really. Um, I think that about wraps it up for Sweden this section. I don't think there's anything else you wanted to touch upon, Jonathan. Uh, you know, just the one little thing I wanted to mention. Um, we were talking about the balance of the leagues and, and you know, what happens if Malmo get into the Champions League? Does that does that create an unbalance, you know, that kind of thing? Well, there has been an interesting uh, <clears throat> point this week, which is probably worth debating maybe on another show. Let's say if they get there, maybe we'll have this debate. But um, basically, Hammerby and Malmo have both put forward a request, a uh, pretty much formal request to change the transfer window to have a longer summer window, um, essentially to allow them to do more business during this summer month. And uh, They're not happy about the transfer window closing last week. They want to be able to do more business once they know where they're going to be in Europe. And so essentially, you know, that could be a threat, isn't it? Because if, say, Malmo are now getting the Champions League, they can go out and splash loads of cash, really. And Hammerby have also raised that concern. They want to essentially change the transfer window in, in Sweden from a shorter uh, winter window. They want to close it a couple of weeks earlier and extend it a couple of weeks later in the summer. So that's something that we may talk about in, in a future episode because that, that really would potentially change the landscape of Swedish football. Actually, I know it's a small pr- proposal, but if you look at the potential repercussions of it in terms of what, what it would do for the teams in Europe, it could help them in Europe, but it could also maybe unbalance the league even further. So one to watch out for there. I don't think there's any been any real verdict on it, but it's a proposal that uh, caught my eye. So I think that yeah, pretty much wraps it up for Sweden. That's very intriguing, I must say, and I think we look forward to debating about that 
uh, on future episodes for sure. But uh, yeah, um, that wraps up part one uh, for episode number 102. Uh, join us after the break where we'll be discussing Norwegian matters, um, a couple of uh, talk about some European matches and also a couple of predictions for the upcoming weekend rounds from both of us. So join us after the break. Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast, episode 102. We're into three figures now, and I quite enjoy saying it. But uh, in part two, we're going to move to Norway. And, uh, you know, we've talked about scandals. There's been a few scandals that we are going to touch upon. But uh, for now, let's let's start with the more lighthearted, uh, easier stuff at the top of the table. Because uh, transfer window is still open in Norway, isn't it, Steve? We talked about the transfer window last week. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to the Nordic Football Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your show. Just Google Nordic Football Podcast, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, uh, or follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. Because last week we had a, a long discussion about uh, the transfer window in both uh, in both nations. It is now shut in Sweden, but it's still open in Norway for a few more weeks. And uh, there's been a few big sort of signings that tie in potentially. So I think we're going to start by talking about uh, the title race because there has been a couple of big results, haven't there? And also big transfers. Uh, Steve, I think they're probably the best place to start might be Buda Glimt, isn't it? Yeah, and they've had um, you know a disappointing year, I think, overall. But they've had some... Since getting knocked out of the Champions League qualifier by Alexia Warsaw, they've had... They picked themselves up. They got through against the Kosovan side, um, Pristina. And they have got... They're facing uh, Lithuanian opposition to make the Europa Conference League group stages, which they would love to be part of that. Um but in the league, they had a really important victory, 1-0 against Lillestrøm. And I, I didn't see it coming, I've got to be honest. Buda Glimt have not been playing very well away from home this season. Uh, it's been their big Achilles heel. Um, but they legitimately deserve the win. Patrick Berg missed a penalty. In fact, he's missed two penalties in the space of a week, actually. That's Patrick Berg. Um, and I thought, you know, this is going to be one of them days where it just doesn't go right for them again. But Botheim... The man uh, came up with a really big goal for them late on, sort of 10 minutes to go. Really good strike, unstoppable. Got them a 1-0 win against Lillestrøm, ending Lillestrøm's 10-match unbeaten run. Um, so it was a great three points. At the same time, Mulder blew a 2-0 lead in uh, Viking and lost 3-2. So the gap is five points at the top of the table. There, uh, But every other side, apart from um, Mulder and... Uh, I think it's Salzburg have played 16. Every other side's played 15. So they've got a game in hand um, at Budigan, Tom Molden. So if they won that, they'd be two behind them. Still got to play them as well, of course. So good, uh, a good week for Budigan. And on off the field, they've signed Armel Pellegrino, the ex-Christiansen player who went absolutely bonkers last year. Um, his time in Saudi Arabia has been cut short. They've signed him on a contract for the rest of the season. I mean, Pellegrino absolutely bossed his league last year in a much worse team. So imagine the chances and, um, you know, I think he's going to cause all sorts of havoc uh, in this Buddha Glim side. Yeah, it could be potentially pivotal. I saw some comments on Twitter from uh, some people we follow uh, on the Nordic Football Podcast and, and kind of saying, you know, is this potentially a turning point in the title race? Because, you know, I remember you saying something like you might even eat your hat or go vegan if Mulder don't win the league from here. 
couple of weeks ago and potentially I think you you kind of had it almost as a done deal um now bit of a turn isn't there because it's five points now but Buda Glimp have a game in hand I mean how how big was that defeat uh against Vik in that late defeat 90th minute for being two nil up all the horses Jonathan Kavir Ruan are giving me enough to sweat about with my other vegan claim um I I'm I did say the title was done, I think. Um, I don't think anything else was said. but um, And I still believe Mulder will win the league. But uh, they have a problem, and I've noticed it before, mixing European matches domestically at times. And they just had a brutal schedule. They, they played some good teams, like Trasbon Sport were good. Before that, they were, they were made to sweat a few times. It will do Mulder some good to be knocked out of Europe now. And they can fully focus on the league for the rest of the year. Buda Glimt may well end up being in Conference League. Um, so, which for me, I think it'd be a bit alien for them to have to jiggle, uh, juggle, not jiggle, <laughs> league and uh, domestic and European matches um, were that to happen. I think that gives Mulder an edge. And I think Mulder have got a bigger squad as well. But, I mean, 2 0 up against Viking. To be honest, I didn't, this didn't shock me. Viking are the sort of side who can pull a rabbit out of the hat like that. And um, yeah, they can, they're just so offensively minded that they can score a goal from anywhere. But and Mulder have problems shutting down games at the moment. Their defence has been poor. We, we touched on it on the last episode. They have been conceding goals left, right and centre. Will that settle down now? I think it needs to start settling down. They need to become this um, more sort of boring side, I think, grind out some results uh, if needed. Uh, because that defence has been letting them down. But uh, I think they will come back from this defeat quite well, will Mulder. But they've left the door open again. And uh, it's not something you want to do against a Buda Glimpse side that if they do get going, like they did last season, then they would be a dangerous creature as well. I don't think anyone else is going to be in the mixer. But um, yeah, Mulder have left that door open again. Yeah, certainly uh, interesting. I mean, you'll you'll know the sort of the, the, the bookmakers kind of odds and that kind of thing. How it might change things, but there was a big announcement from the Buda Glimpse, uh, you know, social media channel, wasn't there? I mean, they they really weren't quite. You know, you don't get normally get those kind of um, Premier League style ceremonial announcements in in Norway, really, or in Sweden necessarily. Sometimes you do for for big transfers, but I don't think I've seen it from Glimp too much. But they really did roll out the red carpet social media-wise for this one player, haven't they, Steve? Now, you're going to tell us about him a little bit. Uh, I know it's a player we talked about on the podcast last season, um, and he's back, isn't he? Amal Pellegrino. He's back, and I, I always knew he would be back. It's just a question of when. I didn't expect to be back this soon. Um, this is a great sign for Budiglin, because if you look at their team, the weak spots for me now are in those wide areas. Sondre Surley is ruled out for the rest of the season with a cruciate ligament. Ulusol Bakken had a shoulder problem mid-season. He's back now, but I don't think Sol Bakken's quite been as effective as he was last year. Of course, they're still reeling on. This time, 12 months ago, Jens Betahorga was still um, in you know, starting matches for Budagum. So it's, it's an area they need to improve on, that left wing spot. And that is where Pellegrino will fit into the side, no doubt cut inside from that left wing and uh, wreak havoc. He scores a lot of goals. He'll assist as well, I think. He's going to get a lot of chances in the Budiglim side. And it's a big transfer. They kind of flex their muscles a bit here. This is what happens if you win a league, if you've got a bit more resources, you know. You can get players like Pellegrino in 
um, A, because you can afford them and B, because you're an attractive proposition. So that signing does give them a chance um, of retaining the gold medal. They're back in the race for sure. They can't afford to make slip-ups, you know, in the next few matches. And again, I, I do question, can they juggle Europe with domestically? But they've got, you know, Christiansen coming up next. And Tromso in a big derby game. Uh, Odden Viking, the Mulder against Buda Glimp game, for those who are interested. It's round number 24, 27th of October. That's penciled in for. So, um, you know, if they can stay in touch before that game, then uh, they would certainly take that. Yeah, welcome back to Amar Pellegrino. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's a bit of a game changer in the title race. Klimt has scored 30 goals in 15 games, which is is okay, but it's nothing like their their previous seasons. To be honest, you know, uh, last season when they scored an incredible 103 goals, they're they're, they're going to have to catch up pretty quickly to to reach that tally. Um, some you know halfway through the season now, 15 games played. So uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> they're going to need 77 goals in 15 games, which I. I I think that's probably too much even for even for Glimp. But uh moving on to the bottom of the table. Now I almost don't really know where to begin with this. Uh, Steve, so I'm just gonna leave it with you. And by the way, my math was completely wrong there, so they need if you know maths, you'll know that I was wrong on that. But uh, anyway, in terms of Glimp's goals. But I'm not gonna I'm gonna brush over that now and move on because I'm so flabbergasted by <laughs> the next topic on the agenda that I almost don't really know where to begin. So um, let's just say it's been a... Uh, there's been a bit of a bum rap for Brand this week, hasn't there? Well, let's let's start with the positives. They won a game of football. Um, um, a very, very important win for Brand. 3-2 against uh, Sanderfjord. Uh, halftime, they were 2-1 down. And, you know, I was tweeting live this game on the, on the NFP account and... Uh, they were outplayed in that first half. I, I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't see a way back, but I, I didn't believe they would come back to win it, but they did. Uh, they were sharp from set pieces. There was a bit more hunger and motivation, motivation, desperation almost at times from Bran. It, it worked in their favour this time. Sanderfield missed chances and you know, didn't really take the game by the scruff of its neck like they should have done. Um, they got a late penalty, which was converted nicely from Robert Taylor, who said, his inspiration from Jorginho's. He did a little Jorginho run-up to uh, confuse the goalkeeper. Uh, very important win for Bran uh, on the field. Off the field, uh, a lot of uh, scandal and controversy, which you know we'll touch on now. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it's three points, and, and uh, the fans will be happy about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive three points, isn't it? I mean, if you look at it, we're, we're at the halfway point in both leagues now. And Brand have gone from kind of they were really, really, really struggling, weren't they? And that that win just gives them a bit of a lifeline, hasn't it? The last three games, you know, they've unbeaten now in three games, two draws and, and a win. Um, as you said, they against Sandyfield, so they they've given themselves a little bit of a lifeline after that terrible, you know, six game losing streak to start the season. Uh, Ten points, you know, and to get out of it, they're only two points behind Mjondala now, and and two, and two points behind Starbeck, so. They are in and four points, obviously, uh, from from Tromso in thirteenth place. So certainly doable in in fifteen games. But in terms of distractions and and kind of um, you know scandals, well, we can't brush over this one, really, can we? I'm just going to read you the headline in uh, Bergen's Tid Tid Tidninger, which is kind of like the um, you know local newspaper, which basically says that BT BT reporting that uh, 
a drunken scandal at Brands, a drunken sex scandal at Brand Stadium. Now, if there's three or four words that are certainly going to raise your eyebrows in the middle of the podcast on Swedish and Norwegian football, I think it's that those four words probably. Uh, so, uh, Steve, I'm going to let you explain it. Uh, a group of twelve players apparently met up for dinner. Uh, there were four female guests in their twenties, according to BT. I think you're gonna. I'm gonna let you take it away from there. Well, this um, dinner party was arranged. Uh, there was there's been some several new players have come into the club, and this is something which was uh, admittedly happened earlier in the season as well. Um, almost like a welcoming party, you know, an excuse to socialise, team bonding, if you want to call it that, because they need a bit of that. Um, it was under the proviso that no alcohol would be drunk, the players would behave themselves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Things got out of hand, and they, yeah, once alcohol got involved, uh, several players became, uh, in, in the words of one of the uh, the board members, uh, they were drunk supposedly. Went to the stadium afterwards and had a party. Um, there's been rumors of illegal drug use as well. Um, and of course, you know, the main scandal is this so called sex party where 12 players. A court on CCTV um, camera involving seven women as well. So, look at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know this is obviously not great for the club at all. And uh, you know the the, the manager Irie Cornell described this party as disgusting, um, and you know a, a dark time for the club. So. You know, there has been also some more serious allegations recently alleged or potential assault even. So, look, I mean, I'm not going to get involved in that. I mean, the way I see it is, you know, if everyone is, uh, you know, having a good time and there's all consented and, um, you know, there's a bit of fun involved, then then, then why not, you know? But when it gets more I mean, serious than that, it's, you know, it's, um, I mean, it's a problem. Is- you know, as you've said there, I mean, in terms of the timeline of this, this, this was actually before they beat Sanderfield. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you said things got out of hand. You could argue things maybe got into certain hand, but uh, I, won't, I won't talk too much about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let, in terms of the actual reporting on it, well, yeah, it, it was reported that the players arrived at the Brad Stadium between midnight and 1 a.m. and stayed until sort of 5 in the morning, apparently. Um, reports of them actually going at it <laughs> on the pitch, on the brand pitch. Is that the, the rumour? I think the cameras have caught them. Uh, brand sports manager Jimmy Nagel Jacobson came out and said to Bergen, uh, Bergen's reason, this is in no way acceptable. Uh, and he said that the scandalous schemes will have consequences. He said that, you know, it's clear for the 12 involved, there will be big consequences for them. Uh, I don't know if they actually played in the game at the weekend. Were they, were they expelled from the, from the, from the squad? Steve, I don't know if you have any kind of uh, updates mm. on that side of it. Um, you know, the chairman and the board said the timing is extremely bad. I mean, this is a side that's a big club, as we've talked about on the podcast, you know, in, in, in Norway. This is, I think, a one episode we said they're the Liverpool of, of Norway and they're bottom of the league. And then for this to happen, you know, it's like it's almost like desecrating the pitch, isn't it? But I mean, to be fair to them, you know, they, they, they've sown their wild oats on the pitch and actually got it done on the, on the field in terms of the match, haven't they? So, you know... <laughs> They have fixed three points, which is, I don't know. Well, it was later said that no uh, immediate punishment will be given to the 12. Basically, 
they if they if they suspended the 12 players they're not going to have a team available to them so you know that kind of it's ridiculous isn't it but um the way i see it the thing is right i i think this team almost needed to uh get certain things out of their system and i have these sort of socializing bonding sessions are, are not a bad way of of helping things look i i you know after that, then things did get out of hand by by and large. But I, I did notice an, an improved performance on the field, for sure. It's almost as if, you know, they were re-energised by it, maybe more focused, wanted to right the wrongs as well. Um, at the end of the day, it's a scandal the club doesn't want, though. They've been, quite frankly, a mess for, for some time. The only thing they can do now is just keep getting results. If they keep getting results on the field, then, uh, you know, I'm not saying certainly all will not be forgotten, but it will be eventually forgiven. So that's what they've got to focus on now. I'm not saying they can have a sex party every week just to make sure they perform well. But I think clearly there has been uh, an issue in terms of the personnel behind the scene. Bonding hasn't been there. You know, I get why, why why they would kind of, you know, the, the dinner party was arranged, at least in the first place. Yeah, I mean, there are sort of two sides to this. Um, you know, the, the one side is, is fairly amusing to a certain extent. There is the more serious part of it, which we don't really know the clear details of yet. There's certain reports coming out. So clearly we have to divide between, you know, the humorous and the serious. But, you know, in the lighthearted side of it, as you said, they, you know, you've, you've said, you know, they have won, they have won the game, haven't they? I mean, first, first time in... You know, a long time, and you said they've played with a bit more freedom. I mean, it's their first game since first win since May, so um, you know, maybe there was a sense of letting off a bit of steam. And I think, you know, although we are joking a little bit, that the point you do make is quite true in terms of team building, isn't it? I mean, sometimes this sort of scandal, I mean, you know, without knowing too much about the darker side of it, if there is a darker side, which we, we, we maybe we'll report upon as it develops, but. You could be right to a certain extent, isn't it? Maybe sometimes having something else to focus on in terms of a big distraction around the club can actually add conversely, you know, some, you know ironically kind of help you on the pitch um, because it takes away from the heat of the, the pressure of the performances. So, um, yeah, as you said, we're not advising on the Nordic Football Podcast that uh, clubs start having, you know, drunken sex parties every every week if they're in bad form or anything. But uh, it's been, it's certainly, I mean, how's it gone down in Norway? Has it been, you know, the reaction been quite bad or? Oh God! I mean, yeah, they're going to be, yeah, they've been rinsed, they've been torn apart by their own fans. They were labelled as scum. Um, you know, when this sort of thing gets out, you, you're screwed, aren't you? And no pun intended. Um, you know, it's they've been caught on CCTV for goodness' sake. There's there's no hiding place here. Um, really, all you can do is just try and perform on the field, and that that was a good start. Whether or not I trust them to go on, they still look quite disjointed. But, you know, Eric Holland looks really up for the fight. He was giving it proper large at the end of the game when he, when he beat Sanderfjord. He was, you know, he was celebrating like he'd won a cup. You know, that was a big moment for, for, for him and for Brand. you know. You know, there's it certainly showed there's plenty of fight in the team, though. Um, and, you know, I've said all year they should have enough quality ultimately to survive. They go to um, well. The next they go to Stroms Godset next, and they got Holgersund at home in a local derby. Lillestrøm and then Tromsø, which is a big game. So they've got some winnable fixtures. Um, there's a lot of new guys have come in, and who knows? They might be galvanised. I feel like the the sex party 
might be their sort of their lowest low point. Um, and now there's going to be, you know, they can only go upwards from there. You know, they're not going to be able to sweep this under the carpet. Um, but uh, it is what it is. And, you know, the club, uh, you know, on the field, three points on the board, they've just got to keep doing it. Yeah, and you're right, you know, um, the fans did hold up a banner calling them scum, which is, you know, once you say it, there is a bit of an unsavory element to this. <clears throat> fans are clearly outraged. And um Lander said that, you know, he's incredibly disappointed that they have so little respect for the rules. And when you think about it as well, in this COVID times, I mean, it's kind of a bit weird, isn't it? That, um, you know, they're going to nightclubs and things like that. I'm surprised that nightclubs are even open in Norway, to be honest. But uh, I suppose that's a, an update, you know, in, in COVID times, maybe things are back to normal in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's almost a throwback, isn't it? To sort of, well, uh, you know, the social, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I don't know what the local rules are for that. Um, obviously, the the no alcohol proviso was severely abused in terms of the drugs as well. I mean, in terms of the actual, you know, the the the, inter, the, the sex party interaction as well. You know, there's there's certain uh, elements there that um, you, you can have social distancing to a degree, can't you? Um, I mean, the, the, we'll wrap it up now. I mean, yeah, the. The last point on it really is um, the, the fans that refuse to cheer some of the goals uh, report according to the Daily Mail. There's also said that some of the players were said to be in tears at full time after the emotion of uh, such a shameful event in the club's history. So I'm sure this story will run and run. You know, they've got some big games coming up, Strum's Godset, Haugus and Lillestrom. Let's see if they can recover or let's see if this takes a time for the worst because, you know, as, as, as you've said there, there's some allegations that could make this story from a, a sort of a... Uh, a, a nice ticklish story to one that could actually end up being quite quite serious. So we'll move on. We're going to wrap this podcast up now with uh, a bit of a bonus, um, what we tend to do on Patreon uh, for our bonus episodes. We haven't had a Patreon-only blog for a while. Yeah, you can join us on Patreon, support us, patreon.com slash Podcast if you if you like what we're doing and you want to support us in, in that way. Uh, you know, buying us uh, a beer or whatever financially, then you can support us from uh, as little as I think three pounds uh, per month or whatever. So we're more than welcome if you if you want to. And we do have some really loyal, incredible backers on Patreon who we you know we're going to give a shout out to in the weeks to come. Again, you know who you are. But for this week, Steve, we thought we'd do it, just open it up because uh, it's a bit of a later show this week. Uh, looking ahead to the weekend now, so this is sort of part three, maybe you could call it. And we're going to sort of um, skip ahead now, and, and let's let's turn our, our our heads from backwards to forwards. And we're going to do what we normally do on on, on the Patreon only show, which is we're going to select some games, and give our predictions. So, going to keep it a bit shorter than we normally do on Patreon. We normally select three each, don't we, Steve? But on this one, we're going to just select two each. And um, what we do is we pick two games that you should keep an eye out for. And of course, if you are over eighteen, <clears throat> and you do gamble responsibly. Um, then we also sort of um, open up for you to maybe have a little flutter, cheeky flutter. Meat Man Soccer is a, a betting analyst and expert, so you are in the right place for his tips. And, and as I say, on Patreon, he provides them fairly regularly when we do the shows. Uh, and we've got a pretty good success rate this season so far. Um, so let's see, with two each, two, two uh, bullets in the chamber, let's see what we can do, Steve. We'll start with Norway, as we are in Norway right now. Two bullets in the chamber. I'm just going to read to you the, the the fixtures, so that you know fans or anyone listening to this can kind of get an idea of what games are coming. Uh, so let me just do that right now. <clears throat> we have 21st of August, 
which is this weekend Starbeck against Mion Dallin and Strom's Godset against Bran. Um, it's the 22nd of August, Sunday. Buda Glimpse against Christiansen. Haugerson at home to Lillestrom. Sandefjord against Tromso. Wallerenga against Viking. Uh, Battle of the Vs. Uh, and then Rosenborg Odd. So, meat man, take it away. Where do you see the value? Can I just say, I think you could do worse than actually backing an, an accumulator of over 2.5 goals in every single match this weekend in Norway. I think there's going to be a lot of goals. Probably the one that might be under is mm, Starbeck Mjöndal, but even that could kick off into... Uh, but yeah, I think you could do far worse than backing overs in literally everything. But the two that stand out to me for good value over 2.5 picks are Hargerson, Lillestrom and Sanderfield Tromso. Um, Hargerson, Lillestrom, because Hargerson matches suddenly become quite wild. Um, like 5-4 against Mulder, 4-2 against Odd, they lost... They're suddenly not they're not they're not keeping clean sheets. Um, it's you know an interesting one for they've just recently lost Ibrahim Avaji to Karabakh. They've sold him this week, so that's a goal score that goes out of the, the picture. But they've still got other scorers for them. Uh, I just don't think they're capable of defending very well at the moment. Lillestrom are very much up and down in terms of over and unders, but um, their matches are very watchable. They're not like boring and closed. Even the Buddha Glimp 1 0, there were plenty of opportunities in the game before then. Over 2.5 goals can be backed in this game, Jonathan, at a decent price at the time of recording. 1.98, nearly even money on just over 2.5. And I just think there's, there's three, I think both teams score and there's at least three goals in this one. Yeah, I mean, accumulate, I don't know what the odds would be for that if you backed it in every game. Um, but. Uh... Certainly, if you if you've got a spare kroner or something like that, maybe 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 go for it because Neat Man, you do have a bit of form. Uh, who else have you got? Who's your second pick? Yeah, it's Sandefjord Tromsø over two point five. There's been a lot of overs recently, by the way, in Norway in the last sort of month or so. There's not been many unders at all. It's the time of year when goals do tend to flow a lot more. Um, you know, when when the weather's good and it's not you know the pitches are in better state and. It feels like the right sort of environment for the players to really get their attacking stuff out there. But yeah, Sanderfield Tromso. Um, I just again, I see it being an open game. Tromso tend to play better football on the road. The Mjöndalen match summed it up when they won three goals to two. Um, Sanderfield are in a nice sort of comfortable mid-table spot at the moment. Twenty points on the board. They can sort of. They're a tough side to predict in terms of who wins their games at Sanderfield. Like, who would have kind of seen them losing against Brand? I think a lot of would have predicted them to get a good result there. It kind of sums them up. You, you don't know which version of Sandefjord is going to turn up, but a lot of their matches do contain goals. Um, even the unders probably should have ended over, but I feel like they're in a phase at the moment where they're happy to attack. They're not as focused on defence. Again, I see it like a match where both teams score, maybe 2-1 to someone or 3-1, even a 2 all draw. But it's the price, again, that, that kind of catches my eye, Jonathan. Over 2.5 goals. You can get over uh, even money on this. 2.04 at the time of recording. So two nice little value overs there for, for Norway uh, Elite Serien. Fantastic stuff. And that is why you bring the value on the Nordic Football Podcast mm. with your predictions. So uh, we're going to move over to Sweden now. I'm going to read you the fixtures. Uh, we've got Malmo Degafors on Saturday. Uh, Halmstad and Nor Shopping on Sunday. EF. Uh, sorry, Elsborg, Hammerby on Sunday as well. 
AOK at home to Bick or Hacken. Uh, already brought serious as well. Uh, that's a sort of a, a big game at the bottom of the ends of the table. Then we have uh, on Monday, Uruguay and Mialbi. That's a repeat of last week, by the way. Uh, last week's game. So some of these games are actually repeats because we're you know we're into the second half of the season now. Uh, EF Core Jotaborg against Viberg Boys and Ostersund's Kalmar. Now looking for some value there. I mean, we did have Wasson. Uh, he asked a question about Kalmar. My first pick for you, Steve, is going to be Kalmar to beat Ostersunds. Uh, I just think that I think Ostersunds are in, in, in major, major trouble, to be honest. Um, we do have a special guest coming on the show, which I will announce probably next week, uh, who just happens to have just left Ostersunds. So um, we will talk about that a little bit more you know, on Twitter and that kind of thing. So follow us on Twitter. Uh, but Ostersunds, two wins in 15 this season. Uh, you know, in the transfer window, they lost some players in the transfer window, and that, and that really has just compounded their misery to be honest uh, had one or two injuries as well they've not won since uh 22nd of may against sirius uh, and prior to that their only other win was in april against uh Ordebro. you know really really poor run of sort of six defeats in the last seven games uh lost against no shopping at the weekend just gone uh, and before that five nil at uh, hacken and now in the cup this uh you know this just this week just gone they've also been knocked out of the the, the swedish cup um, Steve, in the, in the preliminary rounds, I mentioned that AFC Eskilstuna going out. Well, uh, Ostersunds have also, you know, been been sort of given a, a bit of an upset in that in that one. Uh, lost to Bromen Poikin, of course, who are in the third tier. So, you know, things are just sort of going from bad to worse. Staff members leaving, as, as I've just, you know, sort of mentioned. A um, bit of a teaser there. I just think that Kalmar, I just think they're going to be a little bit too strong for them. Of course, they do have fans back Ostersunds. Maybe you know they're not the biggest support club in the world, but they you know maybe some of their fans can can g them up. But I just feel like Kalmar, their sort of attacking style, the way they play football, they're not in a bad spell of form. They had, I mean, they lost three games in July, uh, three in a bounce, but that was against Hacken, Aik, and Yurgarden on on the spin. Um, since then, they've beaten Mialbi, beaten uh, North Shopping away, which was a big result, and then obviously drawn with Helmstad, who seemed to draw with everybody. Um, so I, I just feel like Kalmar will be too strong uh on this one they did draw nil nil on the opening day um of the season and Kalmar had a decent possession in that game but couldn't get a winner and i did mention Kalmar a little bit you know unreliable maybe in goal scoring wise but i just feel like Ostersund's form is just going to continue so i, I fancy that one mm. even even money you can get on on Kalmar there do you know what i'm intrigued at how you can get a price of 1.89 on the Halmstad match under 2.5 goals 13 out of 15 of their games have ended under 2.5 this season although i must say the uh the one of the fixtures that did end over was the uh, one against the norshipping and that's who they're playing this weekend can norshipping suck them into a shootout sometimes teams can tempt sides into a shootout but surely hamster are just gonna play for the nil nil aren't they as, as normal that looked a big price to me but your second selection um is in the in the malmo match isn't it yeah, I mean, you talk about Halmstad, 11, 11 goals scored, 12 goals conceded. I mean, like you say, very low scoring. Maybe you fancy a bit of that because that is, like you say, a decent price. I mean, you know, looking at their last sort of 10 or so games, 1-1, nil 1-1, 1-1, 0-0, 1-1, 0-0. Haven't been overs since the 17th of May against the Ellsborg. So, you know, if you if you do fancy Halmstad to bore their way to a to a draw, uh, or you know a low-scoring game, then you, you can you can maybe that is potentially decent value. Uh, but I haven't gone for that because North Shopping they are 
you know, they are quite, and they do like to attack, to be fair to them. They do like to go at teams. Ricard Norling um, hasn't quite got the blend right, but they have scored 20 goals this season in 15 games. And if you look at it, their last four in the spin have been overs. Uh, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1. In fact, two wins, two defeats. To, defeats to Hammerby and Kalmar and wins against uh, EF Court and Ostersons away. So I, I'm staying away from that one just because I'm not entirely sure it will be low scoring from North Shopping side. Uh, uh, so I've gone instead. I'm going to pick... This might be a bit of an outside one, but I do think there's a little bit of value in the Malmö Degafors game in in taking on Malmö. Now, my rationale for that is that I think they I think they're going to have all eyes on this um, Champions League. I think they will rest players. They have a few injuries, Malmö as well. You know, they had they took an injury tonight. Moisander went off injured, which is a bit of a blow defensively for them. Um, they have had a few blows in that sense. You know, they have had a few injuries creeping up here and there. And I just think that I'm not saying they, I'm not saying they're not going to beat Degafors, but I do think, you know, you might explain handicaps there, Steve. Uh, I think there might be value in terms of either a low-scoring Malmo win, maybe by one goal, or a draw, or maybe Degafors to to sort of uh, cause a little bit of an upset because they just got off a big win against Hacken, three uh, nil. Now they did lose three nil at Elsborg the week before that, so that would give you maybe a little bit of cause for concern. Malmo are a very strong side. Uh, and their away record isn't great, but I, I'm not sure, Leslie. What do you think about that Asian handicap? Or you know, explain the handicap maybe for those who might not understand. Well, the Asian handicap lines available for this game are, are a plus one point seven five, which could be, it would take me a while to explain that one. But a plus two Asian handicap, you can get a one point six eight. Basically, if um, Malmo win the match by exactly two goals, then you would get your money back. Uh, um, if Malmo won by one goal, you would win the pick. So, you know, if they won, you know, one nil, two one, and you're on the plus two Asian handicap, you will win your bet fully. So, um, and obviously you'd win as well if Degger four were to draw or win outright. So, I mean, that, you've got to ask yourself, are Malmo going to win by more than two goals? If your answer is no, then this is probably quite a, a safe sort of pick. It does feel like the sort of match where they'll be, I think they'll probably be focused enough to just about win. But that's all they're bothered about. They're not bothered about goal difference and smashing someone and keeping folk, you know, intense right for the last until the end. They'd be happy with an, you know, one goal win or a very close or two nil or something. So um, yeah, well, if, you, if you like this, sounds quite promising. I think there's two two potential plays here. So I think either you go for that, like you say, the handicap, which uh, you've explained very well there, uh, or I would suggest. You could potentially wait for the lineups, obviously, and then take it if you know if, if you want to kind of be a bit more conservative. Or alternatively, maybe I'd be looking at the draw, a half-time draw, full-time Malmo market, because I think they will probably the likes of Berman Savic. I mean, I've just just read a tweet from Serbian Football who've described it as one of the bargains of the century. Uh, that's quite an interesting tweet at Serbian Footy. Malmo saying one of the biggest robberies of the transfer market uh, with. Berman Savic, he may well be rested for this game. Kolak as well potentially could could maybe find a place on the bench. Christensen as well, they've done it in recent games in the league. And so maybe potentially either Degafors at halftime or, or a draw at halftime and then maybe Malmo, they might bring on the big guns second half and sort of go for it then. So I think there is some value maybe in potentially in, in Malmo not to win by more than one goal essentially. So keep an eye on that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go all in on it, that's for sure. But uh as we always say, be responsible. Um, make sure you're over 18 as well and, and make sure you take this advice wisely. Uh, you know, don't throw all your money at it, whatever, if you're going to. But uh, yeah, just as a little cheeky punt 
those are our two picks. So do you want to repeat yours, Steve, just to wrap up? Yeah, uh, over 2.5 goals, uh, Holgerson against Lillestrom and uh, Sander Fjord against Tromso. Yeah, and I've gone for Kalmar to beat Ostersons away. Uh, I think it, the price you said is about 2, 2.0 or something like that, even-ish. And Degafors to uh, to do better than a one-goal defeat, basically. Lots of options for people there, basically, for that game. Plus 1.75 Degafors. Yeah. Okay, well, a little bit of uh, something different there for for the listeners. That's what we tend to do in these uh, Patreon pods, uh, the uh, extra ones, which we, we tend to do some more on, uh, certainly for the rest of the season. So, um, but yeah, I think that's about it for this episode now, pal. It is indeed. We've we've had scandals, we've had controversies, we've had threats and rival, you know, big rivalries, and we've had big results from Malmo, so... I think there's been a lot to get your teeth into in this episode and hopefully you've enjoyed the analysis as well with Kalmar. Uh, if you haven't checked out our blog on Y Scouts, Steve has written a very nice blog about Lillestrom uh, for our partners at Y Scout. So check them out. Thank you to our partners, Y Scout. Check them out at Y Scout on Twitter and you can go back and read our, our analysis of Lillestrom. We do a tactical piece uh, every month pretty much. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the, for the show. Thank you for listening. Yes, take care, everyone. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.